Thank you. I mentioned thank you for your good singing. And thank you, Leah and Caleb, for leading us in song tonight. It's good to have these young people back. I believe, Leah, this is your last semester coming up. Yes, sir. All right. So you'll be praying for her. Um, that the Lord would help her through the last semester and then give her wisdom to come back to Elmira and join us here. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9. I read some of this passage earlier. I want to take a look at one phrase out of here and remind us that Jesus is the light of Christmas. We have a candlelight service. It's a reminder that Jesus is the light of the world, but Jesus is also the light of Christmas. Isaiah 9, verse 2 says this, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. My house has been decorated for about a week now, Christmas decorations, things that we put away and we only bring out once a year. Some, some special bowls and uh, uh, various knickknacks that get put out that never get out, put out any other part, uh, any other time of the year. There's gifts under the tree. We have um, 11 people at our house, expect the 12th tomorrow, so there are going to be 12 people there, so there's a lot of gifts. Um, there's a lot of gifts under the tree. We've been eating our, our favorite Christmas foods. How many of you have already eaten something that you only eat during Christmas time? Yes. I think I've already gained some weight and we haven't even gotten to Christmas yet. And there are people around my house that are not normally there. My daughters came down, son-in-law, friends. So we're grateful for all that, but none of that is Christmas. Make no mistake, Christmas is not about decorations or food or gifts or people, family and friends. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus. You may have noticed that Christmas is becoming increasingly secularized. My brother sent me an article uh, just this week talking about the, how Christmas is not so much about Jesus anymore. It's not about his incarnation. It's not about his birth. It's about things like Santa Claus and Christmas trees and just hope and peace and, and all of that without being any, having any reference to the Bible. There are people who celebrate uh, Christmas and some of the tr same traditions that you and I celebrate who would say they don't even believe that Jesus is God. But Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And uh, we associate with this holiday light, even though it's some of the shortest days of the year, the days now are starting to grow longer, actually. We just went through the winter solstice, but this is a time when usually after dinner, it's dark outside already. And so we put lights on our, turn on the lights in our houses. We put lights on our trees. It's a reminder when we think of Christmas and light that Jesus is the light of the world. In this verse that we looked at, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. That great light that they saw, that light that shined upon them, is Jesus. And Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah. Now that is the meaning here of this verse. I want to take the analogy there and remind us that we live in increasingly dark times. Darkness at our jobs. Darkness in just national discourse. There's darkness in our communities. 
Unfortunately, there's often darkness in our families and darkness in our churches. Deaths of despair are up. People who commit suicide, folks that are careless of life and end up dying. I mentioned uh, on Sunday night that I have attended two funerals in the last six months. Young people who died, tragically, drinking and driving. Deaths of despair, dark deeds, mayhem, haunt our culture. We say the problem is guns, but then people are knifed in their beds. The problem is not the weapon. The problem is the darkness in our hearts. The darkness that's in our culture runs deeper than just the superficial. It comes from a darkness that's in our hearts. In fact, we're told that the world lies in darkness. That verse that we often quote to each other to encourage each other. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The world is increasingly a dark place. And when it comes to darkness, darkness often means the unknown. You don't know what's out there. You wake up in the middle of the night, and maybe you have a nightlight in your room. I know I sleep best with no lights in my room, so I wake up in the middle of the night, and I get out of bed, and I forget that I set something right there. Darkness means the unknown. Darkness means the unrecorded, things that you do in the dark. Other people never see those things, do they? Darkness can mean confusion. In fact, we use that. I'm in the dark. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Nobody's told me anything. I, I, I have no information here. Darkness means confusion. Darkness means pain. When we're in emotional pain, we talk about life seems so dark. That's a, a way that we express emotional pain. And in the Bible, darkness simply means evil. To be dark is to be evil. But Jesus is the light of the world. And we celebrate his birth, we celebrate his incarnation when he left the splendors of heaven. Scotty shared with us that, that great Christmas hymn, Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown. He left the, the glories of heaven. He left being truly God and became both truly God and truly man and was born. We sang about it again tonight. Born in a manger. Born in, in, in obscurity. Jesus is the light. It's that that we celebrate. Jesus is that light that shines into the unknown. Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you confused about life? Are you uncertain about the meaning of life or where your life is headed or what your life even means? Why are we even here? Jesus has light for you. He is the way. He is the truth. Not only is he the light in, in that he shines into our lives and he opens up the unknown and makes it knowable to us, but second, he also records all the unrecorded deeds of our life. The Bible talks about books that are open that contain all a record of all the things that we've ever done. There's some evil things that I've done in my life that I'm glad you don't know about. But God knows about those things. And one day, those that are outside of Christ are going to stand before a great white throne, and Jesus is going to be on that throne, and they're going to be judged according to those works that are written in the books. But I also take joy in knowing that Jesus knows when I've helped someone, 
And they never, they never recognized it. They never knew it. Maybe some of you have done something anonymously to help somebody. You never got a thank you card. In fact, to this day, they still don't recognize who their benefactor was. But you know who knows? God knows. Jesus is that light that records all the unrecorded deeds of our life. He clears up so much confusion in our life. I can tell you, without Jesus, life seems very bleak and very gray and very uncertain. But with Jesus, there's light and there's peace and there's hope. Things that were, I have no idea why this is happening to me. Before Christ, when we're in Christ, we understand that we are more than conquerors. That whatever he allows into our life is simply shaping us, molding us into the image of Jesus Christ. Darkness is a symbol of emotional pain, but Jesus is our comfort. Jesus pours the, the balm of his peace into our hearts, and when there's turmoil all around us, even when, when people are, are taken away from us, we have comfort in our pain. That's Jesus, the light of the world. And Jesus is our hope. This world is broken by sin. More than once, I've had someone say to me, yeah, but if, if God is so good and he's so loving and he's all-powerful, why is this world so messed up? Well, I'll tell you why the world's messed up. It's sin. It's my selfish choices. It's your selfish choices. Sin is anything I think, anything I say, anything I do that breaks God's law. And we'll find if we look at just the Ten Commandments, we'll find that time and time again in our selfishness and in our pride and in our sureness that we're doing the right thing We've broken God's law, and it affects us, and it affects others around us. The world is broken by sin, but Jesus is the one who died in our place. When he died, it was because we were sinners. He took our sins in his own body on the cross so that God, who is perfectly just, God the Father, could forgive us and remain perfectly just because he's given our sin debt. He's given the penalty for our sin to his son, Jesus Christ. Broken by sin, I mentioned the people just in the last few months. I've attended funerals and they died in tragic car accidents because they had been drinking and driving. There's been, over the last two years, there's been multiple people that I have known personally who've lost loved ones to drug overdoses. People who have committed suicide or attempted to commit suicide. But just the, the anger and the rage and the pain that is in our society right now, I know the answer to that. It's Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the light of the world. It's Jesus who comes into this darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, who comes into this darkness, and he brings us hope. Light always conquers darkness. There is no darkness so bright, there's no darkness so dark that it prevents the light. In fact, the darker some place is, the more the light shines into it. I've told you the story before about my college roommate who was trying to tell us a story about when his teacher was driving and it was so dark that the car's headlights didn't even work. I said to him, that, that's not possible. No matter how dark the night is, if the headlights are turned on, they, they will work. He said they were turned on and they weren't working. But what he meant was it was so foggy that the headlights didn't work well. 
darkness never conquers light. Light always conquers darkness. And it's that light that Jesus is that we reflect to a world that needs hope, that needs peace, that needs comfort, that needs meaning, that needs direction, that needs truth. So if we reflect the light of Jesus as a mirror reflects the light, it's very important, number one, that we keep our mirror clear so that people can see that light of Jesus reflected in us. I think that reminds us to keep our lives free from sin, to say no to sin so we can say yes to God. And when we find we've sinned, and we do, if we confess our sin, the Bible tells us, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is our mirror clear? But secondly, is our mirror positioned in such a way, pointed in such a way, that Jesus' light can be reflected in us? Because so often our focus becomes ourselves. Our focus becomes what we want. Our focus becomes who we are. And it's like turning that mirror so that it's no longer positioned to reflect Jesus' light. Christmas can be a very selfish time. Maybe there's a particular gift you want. And if you don't give that, get that gift tomorrow, you're going to be angry and upset. That reflects that you're selfish. And your mirror isn't turned. It's not positioned to reflect Jesus' light anymore. Now, I know some of you more mature ones are going to say, I know, I know. But I, I, I don't care if I get any gifts tomorrow. That's probably true. But you know what? There are certain things you want to have happen tomorrow. There are certain people you expect to be at your Christmas party that you invited over. There are certain dishes that they better turn out. That pie crust better be just perfect. Or else you're going to be angry. Why? Because Christmas has become about what you want. You want the celebration to go a certain way. You want to see certain people. Or maybe, unfortunately, you don't want to see certain people. <laughs> and it just reveals that selfishness that's in our hearts. And the focus becomes ourselves. And it's like turning that mirror away from the light that is Jesus Christ. When our focus becomes possessions, what we can get... It's as if we turn our mirror in a different direction. The light of Jesus continues to shine just as strongly and just as faithfully as ever. But my mirror is turned in such a way that people no longer see Jesus' light in my mirror because my focus has become my possessions. Or our focus so often for us becomes our own entertainment. The ability to, to watch and to listen and to experience things that just bring me joy. And again, we're turning our mirror. His light continues to shine, but people no longer see Jesus' light reflected in my life because I've turned my mirror. I've changed my focus. I'm no longer focused on Jesus and my relationship with God. I'm focused on what I want, on myself, on my possessions, on my entertainment. This verse says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. By virtue of you being here tonight, that light that is Jesus has shined upon you. Are you reflecting that light? But there's a second question I want to ask you about that light. That light, by virtue of you being here, that light that is Jesus has fallen on you tonight. Will you receive it? 
John 1 tells us that Jesus was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You've heard that message tonight. Will you receive it? There are many false religions in the world. Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam. But there are also a lot of things that people believe in that have become their religion that we don't typically think of as religions like humanism and secularism and critical race theory. Jesus transcends all that. He's bigger than all that. I want to read to you a story, and many of you have heard it before. Uh, it was initially on uh, Paul Harvey, those of you that uh, followed him years ago. But I'm going to read it to you because it so well illustrates this idea that God's light has shined into our community when Jesus Christ was born, when he became truly man, truly God, and was born into human society. This is a modern parable, and the man that I'm going to introduce you to is not a Scrooge, but he was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense to him, and he was frankly too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He explained to her that he'd feel like a hypocrite. He'd much rather just stay at home, and he'd wait up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the evening service. Now, this family did not live in our part of California, and I can tell you that because shortly after his family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. <laughs> so he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. It wasn't but a few minutes later that he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another thud, and then a third thud, and more thuds and thumps, and at first he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the window to investigate, he found that there was a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had been trying to fly into his large landscape window with the light on the other side. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze to death. Now, so he remembered that there was a barn there on his property where he kept his a horse, and that would provide a warm shelter if only he could get his birds into that barn. So quickly, he put on his coat, his galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide, and he turned on a light, but the birds didn't come in. He figured food might entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, and he sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail from the yellow-lighted uh, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the barn. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn. But instead, every time he came near, they would scatter in every direction, except into the warm, lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know they can trust me. 
I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm trying to help them. But how? Because any movie made tended to frighten them, to confuse them, and they just would not follow. They would not be led to the barn. They could not be shooed into the barn because they feared him. And so he thought, if only I was a bird, I could mingle with them. I could speak their language. I could tell them they don't need to be afraid. I could tell them that I'm going to show them the way to safety, to warmth, to those safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so that they could see and hear and understand. And at that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and as he stood there listening to the bells, listening to the bells play a Christmas song, he recognized what he was saying. There is a God in heaven, and he loves his people. He loves his creation. He loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 may be the most famous verse of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But to get that message to us humans, sinful, poor, benighted humanity, he had to send his son, made in human flesh, truly God, truly man, not only to tell us the news, which he did, and we can read about it in Scripture, but also, and this parable doesn't cover it, to die in our place, to take upon himself the penalty for sin that we deserve. Do you truly appreciate the light that Jesus is in our lives? Do you appreciate the hope and the peace that he gives you? Do you appreciate that he is truth? That he doesn't leave us confused and, un, uh, and, and, and in the dark, but he is that light in our light. Do you recognize that you have to reflect that light to others? They probably don't read their Bibles. They probably don't even know most of what's in here. But you can be that mirror that reflects the strong and consistent light of Jesus Christ to those who are around you. And most importantly, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is eternal life. Do you know that your sins have been forgiven and that you have eternal life? It would be tragic for you to leave this time where we've come, we've gathered to celebrate and and be excited about the birth of Jesus Christ, not recognizing that Jesus Christ was born and then died and rose again so that you can have your sins forgiven and know that you have eternal life. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look a little bit at Isaiah chapter 9. I'm grateful for your help. I'm grateful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be our light, to be the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I don't know all those that are gathered here tonight. and Perhaps there's one or more that does not know that their sins are forgiven and they have eternal life. They're in the dark. They're like those poor and miserable birds caught in a snowstorm, and safety is not far from them. But they never recognize the message that's in your word. I pray for their salvation tonight. Before I close this prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just give you a chance to respond. Is there anyone here tonight that would say, 
Pastor Scott, I am not a Christian. My sins are not forgiven. I do not have eternal life. But I would like to become a Christian. I'd like to know that my sins are forgiven and receive that gift of eternal life. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anyone like that? Thank you. Anyone else? All right, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Father, we love you. Thank you for opening our eyes to truth. Help us to understand the important part we have as Christians in reflecting the light of Jesus in our community. You tell us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And we want to do that. In our increasingly dark society, we want to be shining lights. And as it gets darker, may our lights shine brighter to your honor and to your glory so that people will see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.